A little girl made her way into the church, and she saw the priest there praying. She interrupted him and started a brief conversation. And then she took him over to the Statue of the Immaculate Conception. And I'll let the story continue with the words of the priest himself. Do you know what the Immaculate Conception means, she asked. Thinking the child was in search of information, I said, it means that Mary was born free from original sin. From the moment of her coming into the world, the devil was unable to touch her. Therefore, she could crush the head of Satan. Looking at me, the young girl responded quickly. That is not what Jesus told me. Really, I said, and what did he tell you? He told me that we are all members of the body of Christ. Because of her humility, Mary was the heel, the lowest part of the body of Christ. That is why she can crush the head of the serpent, who is Satan. This real story that happened to a priest I know reveals that Mary has a privileged place, but she also has this profound humility. We also see the humility of the little girl. How is it that she was able to hear Jesus so clearly? It's because she trusted in him. It's because she was humble. And this little girl, in a way, points to what Mary's like. Completely docile, completely humble, surrendering to the Lord, following the Lord, in whatever way the Lord may be calling her. And the Lord called Mary to a very special mission. She has a unique place in salvation history. She, along with Jesus, are the new Adam and Eve. St. Paul talks about Jesus as the new Adam in some of his letters. And Mary would then be the new Eve. She, if she's going to be the new Eve, would need to have similar graces that the original Eve had in order to accomplish what the original Eve failed to do. They would have to have these essential graces to be similar to them that includes being free from original sin. So we might think, okay, well, if Mary has to be free from original sin to be in a similar situation as the first Eve, to choose to follow God like the first Eve was supposed to do, why couldn't God just, like, do that later? Why would he do it at the moment of conception? He could have sanctified her before her birth, but while still in the womb. Why did he do it at the very first moment of her life? Why did he do it such that she was perfectly clean of any stain altogether? And the reason is because that was the condition of the original Eve, perfectly sinless, stainless from the moment of the beginning of her life. And for Mary to be perfectly stainless and sinless, for her to perfectly give herself to the Lord in accordance with his plan, she too would have to have that same grace to be free from all sin from the very beginning. We might think, okay, but what about Jesus? Well, Jesus is the new Adam. He succeeds where the first Adam failed, surrendering to God even at the greatest expense, the giving up of his own life on the cross, doing the Father's will throughout his entire life without ever committing any sins, succeeding where the first one failed. So both were sinless. Jesus is the Savior and Redeemer, but Mary has a unique part in this salvation story. She is the new Eve. As the first Eve was the helper to the first Adam, so the new Eve is the helper to the new Adam. And Mary helps prepare all of society, all of humanity, 
for the salvation that Jesus wins for us all. And she couldn't have done it as perfectly as she did if she was stained with original sin. And so, therefore, as it was decreed by the Pope, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, Mary was free from all stain of original sin in the first instance of her conception. In other words, Mary was immaculately conceived. Now we might think, well, that's kind of strange. If we're talking about Mary's conception, why is our gospel passage about the conception of Jesus? This passage shows us that docility, that humility, that willingness of Mary to continuously just follow wherever God leads. Prior to this point, she did not know that she was going to be the mother of God. But having that revealed to her by the angel Gabriel, she was completely submissive and accepting of this great gift, even though all of the hardships she knew it would cause her. We might think, well, what kind of hardships would she have? Well, she's married to Joseph, but they haven't moved in and lived together yet. And so if she's found pregnant and she ha- she's not with Joseph yet, that's going to make her look suspicious, like she has done something possibly promiscuous. But even more so, she knows what the Messiah is going to suffer. She knows what Jesus is going to do. And as his mother, she's going to experience that suffering by compassion. And so she knows that she too is going to suffer by accepting this great and awesome gift. There's not going to be just joy all of the time. There's going to be sorrow, sorrow at the sight of her son going through his passion, giving up himself for the salvation of all. But Mary, being as humble as she was, loving Jesus as much as she did in the Father and the Holy Spirit, constantly and perpetually said yes to the Lord. In fact, the yes that she says in our gospel passage, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. In Latin, the first word is fiat. And so that's sometimes when we hear the word fiat, it's a reference to what Mary said to the angel Gabriel. It was her yes. Yes, I surrender. Yes, I will do the will of God. Jesus says something similar in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, uh, not my will, but your will be done. In a way, this is where Mary says that. But she says that like Jesus throughout the entirety of her life. Here we get to see it more explicitly. But Mary, having this grace and continuously cooperating with God, always draws everyone to her son. She, being full of grace and being united with the Holy Spirit, points all of us to Jesus. That is her goal. That is her desire, to have Christ live within us. And so we can turn to her for intercession. We can turn to her for assistance, asking her to help us be the people that God calls us to be. There are some of us present here who have been practicing and preparing for a consecration to Mary. And that may sound strange, like why would we consecrate ourselves to Mary if our ultimate goal is Jesus? Well, the consecration to Mary is really a consecration to Jesus through Mary. We're naming it not by its end goal, but by the means in which we accomplish that goal. So the goal being consecration to Jesus, but it's happening through Mary. So myself and the Focus missionaries had been each day for the past nine days leading prayers in the chapel for those who are interested, and there were available for those who are interested the same preparation prayers 
for those who want to consecrate themselves to Jesus through Mary. And so at the end of this Mass, there will be an opportunity for all of those who intend to do that, to consecrate themselves to Jesus through Mary, uh, to come forward, to stand or to kneel at the, uh, the bottom step of the sanctuary, and to pray the prayer of consecration uh, using the words that St. Maximilian Kolbe had put together. He was one of the very um, devout people of the Blessed Virgin Mary and bringing about devotion to her, promoting that, promoting that devotion to her and through her, uh, drawing Christ to the whole world. So his goal was to conquer the world for Jesus through Mary. And so those who are prepared at the end of Mass will come forward and consecrate themselves to Jesus through Mary using the words of St. Maximilian Kolbe. But all of us are called to have a certain devotion or honor towards Mary, being the mother of God, being the perfect example of how we should follow God and submit ourselves to God. And she's a great gift to help us on that journey. So let us take a moment to pause and ask Mary to help us have Jesus formed in our hearts, as she had Christ formed in her heart first before he was formed in her womb, that with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the Blessed Virgin Mary, that Christ will reign supreme in our hearts as we prepare to meet him in the most Holy Eucharist.